Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I wonder if when you were a kid, you ever heard this said to you, just wait until your dad gets home. Or maybe for you, it wasn't your dad. Maybe it was just wait until your mom gets home. When you heard that, you knew that you had to be very afraid. You probably heard that because you had done something wrong. You knew that you were guilty. And when mom or dad came home, it was as if the judge, the executioner was coming and you would receive that sentence. And it probably wouldn't be pleasant. It would be something that you wouldn't like, and it would probably hurt. If you've ever had that experience, you're probably taught that the judge, when the judge comes, it's not a pleasant thing. And we learn very early on to kind of be afraid of the punishments that are due to us. If that's the kind of feeling that you have towards judges, then our readings today, I think, might be a little bit difficult for you to truly understand. Our readings are about the end times. They are about the final end, when Jesus will come back and he comes as that judge of the living and the dead, or in the metaphor of our Old, and Old Testament and Gospel reading of that shepherd who will divide the sheep. The sheep from the goats or the fat sheep from the lean sheep of the sheep that didn't take care of the others but crowded them out so that they got everything and others got very little. And that shepherd is the judge. The question is, is this meant to be a fearful thing? Is Jesus talking about a subject that we should feel afraid of? Should we have the same kind of feeling in our hearts that we had as kids when somebody said to us, just wait until your gets home? And I think the answer to that has to be no. See, here's the thing that our readings are trying to teach us, I believe, is that when a lot of us talk about the end times, and we've talked about that a lot around here, haven't we? We've talked about how the world is kind of falling apart. For many people, that becomes a very scary subject. We immediately go to dark places. We think, okay, it's only going to get worse and worse and worse, and I don't know if I can make it much longer. I don't know if I will be strong enough in order to keep the faith. I don't know what will happen when the Lord comes back, because I'm not sure that I deserve the, the good ending. I don't know if I will be strong enough to stand on that day. Well, Jesus comes and he changes that story around for us. At least I think he does if we understand everything that comes into play. For Jesus talks about his own return as judge of the living and the dead, but he doesn't just talk about himself as a judge. He talks about himself as a shepherd. Now think about that. Think about Jesus as a shepherd, and what is it that you associate 
when you think of Jesus as a shepherd? What are the images? What are the stories that come to mind? For me personally, I think about the second Sunday in Easter that's always Good Shepherd Sunday. When we hear about Jesus talking about his love for his sheep and that he would lay down his life for his sheep. He said others, others come and take care of the sheep, but they don't really care about the sheep. They don't care like Jesus cares because they're just the hired hand. But Jesus is that shepherd who loves his sheep so much that he would lay down his life for them. And his sheep, they know his voice. They listen to him and they come when he calls. Or maybe for you, when you think about Jesus as the shepherd, your thoughts immediately go to that 23rd Psalm. That's a very familiar one. And it is a Psalm that to many of us gives us so much peace. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And as you think about that Psalm, It is a psalm that we hear not only in the regular cycle of our church's uh, readings, but it's a psalm that we very often read in times of death. We read it at funerals because it gives us that comfort to let us know that even when we walk through the darkest places in life, through that valley of shadow of death, to those times and places where we think there is no more hope, if that's what you think about when you think about the end, this darkness, this apocalypse, Jesus promises that he is there. He is there with us, and what is more, he has gone ahead of us, and he will lead us out of that. Is that what you think about when you think about Jesus being the shepherd? I think the Old Testament reading in Ezekiel calls us to think about those things. If you read through Ezekiel and you thought, boy, this sounded an awful lot like the 23rd Psalm, I think you are exactly right. And there, when God talks about how the servant of David would be the one who would be that shepherd, That is none other than Jesus, remember? Jesus is that true son of David, the one from David's line, from his family, who is going to be that king who would rule on the throne forever. When you think about a shepherd, you probably don't immediately think about a judge. You think about all of those other images. But I think... The reason why Jesus talks about that final judgment like a shepherd with his sheep is because he wants us to bring all of those pictures together. See, for a lot of us, when we think about judgment, it becomes a very scary thing. We think of the judge as that scary person and we are afraid of them. But Jesus talks about the judge as the shepherd so that we would bring all of those feelings, those good and positive feelings we have about Jesus as our shepherd together. So think about this. Are you afraid that Jesus is your judge? Or think about it a different way. Are you afraid that Jesus is your shepherd? Absolutely not, we say. Well, then neither should we be afraid that Jesus is our judge. 
Jesus talks about the division, that judgment that will happen at the end times. And for a lot of us, we get nervous at that. Because he talks a lot about good works. He talks about all of the good things that one side did, but the other side didn't do those things. That's when we start to panic. We say, but will I be able to stand? Will I be on the right or the left? Will I be the sheep or the goats? I don't know. It's here that we like to look closely at the story that Jesus tells about the picture that he gives of that last judgment And it's important to know that the separation happens at the beginning. Before any mention of good deeds or deeds not done are talked about, there is already a separation, a separation between the sheep and the goats. This, I think, is to remind us that on that last day, We don't stand before the Lord on our own merits, on our own good works. We stand before the Lord as his sheep because he has made us his sheep. Because he has called us by name in the waters of baptism. He has made us his children because he, the good shepherd, has laid down his own life for us who were wayward sheep, who get in all sorts of trouble. Jesus is the one who grabs us as those straying, wandering, sinful people. And he brings us into his fold. We are washed clean, washed whiter than snow by his blood that was shed for us. We are his people. We are his sheep by his grace and his grace alone. And so when Jesus talks to those sheep, he talks to them on that basis. But as he continues and says, you did all of these wonderful things. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you saw me. I was poor and you gave to me something to eat. All of the people say, wait a second, we we didn't do those things, Jesus. When did we see you in any of those situations? And when did we do those things? Do you notice that even those people who have done these good works, they're not standing before the Lord and saying, Lord, look at us. Look at how wonderful we are. Look at all of the things that we have done. We deserve that kingdom that you have prepared from the beginning of the world. No. They don't do any of those things because they know that that's not why they are in the place that they are. However, they are surprised. Did we really do those things? Did we do them unto you? We, we didn't keep track of them. We weren't keeping a list. Lord, we weren't trying to earn our way into heaven. Those were just things that happened. We just did those things. And Jesus sees those things. He notices. See, we as Christians are put into this world, and we are God's people, given a life of good works to do, good works that have been prepared in advance. And we do them. We do them not because we're trying to earn our way into heaven. We do them not because we're trying to impress anyone. We do them simply because they are there to do. And as God has loved us, and as God has freely given his gifts to us, we want to show that love and care and concern for other people. And so we don't keep a list. We don't keep a record. We don't brag to others, look at all of the good things that we have done. Instead, 
We simply live our lives under God's grace, and we try to show that grace and love to other people. But the great surprise at the end, Jesus says, is that we did those things unto Jesus himself, unto the body of Christ, unto other brothers and sisters in Christ. We did it unto him. And they can't believe it. But I think they also can't believe it because they are probably thinking in the back of their minds, but what about the times we didn't do that? What about the times when we were angry and mean and quarreled and gossiped? We didn't help people even though we had the means to. Lord, what about those things? Aren't we punished for them? But again, they are saved by God's grace. They are forgiven. And all of those bad things that they have done, all of the ways that they have fallen short, those are not things that come up at that time of judgment. Why? Because they've been washed away. Because they have been forgiven. See, a lot of us fear that time of final judgment because we know that we will be before the Lord and all will be made clear. We fear our own sins will be held against us. But what we don't know is we stand before our Heavenly Father. We stand before Jesus as that judge and all of our sins have been washed away. He serves, he sees us as perfect and holy. But what happens with the rest? What happens with those who are already separated and advanced and on the other side, the goats? The Lord says to to them, you didn't do all of these things. You didn't do the things that those other people did. And you know what? I think some of them could rightly state their case and say, Lord, we did do, do those things. We did show good works. We did help our fellow man. We did all sorts of wonderful things, Lord. Why aren't you seeing them? Because here, when the Lord stands before those who don't know him, who don't see him in this world, who don't have faith in him, does he see anything good from them? He doesn't. He only sees their sin. He only sees their failures, their mistakes. It's almost as if what Jesus said is true, that I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Whenever people hear that, they always laugh and they say, that's funny because it's not true. We can do all sorts of things apart from Jesus. We can do all sorts of things apart from God. Well, you can, I suppose, but are those things eternal? Are those things the kinds of things that last? Or are those things that in that final judgment, when put to the light of Christ, they fall away? They don't count. They don't mean anything. Because all of our good works are ultimately from our faith in Christ He is the only one who is good. He is the only one who is holy, and he makes all of our works good and holy through his name. Without him, we have nothing.
So that shepherd stands as the judge before all people. He divides them, and he divides them ahead of time. Those who have faith in him on one side, those who lack that faith on the other side, those who have faith in him, they go to inherit that kingdom that has been prepared for them. And those who don't trust in Jesus, who don't believe in him, the greatest irony is that they go not to a place that has been prepared for them, a place of punishment and hell, Rather, they go to the place prepared for whom? For Satan and for all of his angels. See, the truth of the matter is that in this final judgment, God wants none to perish. God did not create a place of condemnation and torture for people. He wants no one to experience that. He does not want to be seen as that evil judge, that judge who is wicked, that judge who is full of wrath and anger, that judge who we are afraid of. Instead, Jesus here, he does want to assure us that there will be a time of judgment, yes, but how should we feel toward the judge? How should we feel in that time of judgment? Well, if the shepherd, that good shepherd is your judge, is my judge, is the judge of all of the world. Then once again, this end time fear thing, it really doesn't have a place, does it? Instead, we look forward to this, this time of revelation, this time of God's kingdom coming in fruition, the time of the resurrection of the dead, the time when there will be no more mourning, there will be no more sadness, no more COVID, no more pandemics, none of this stuff. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we are living in the end times, but this is not a time for fear. This is not a time for panic. This is a time for faith. A time for faith in Jesus, who is our Lord, our Savior, our Shepherd, but also our Judge. We need not be afraid. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and risen Savior. Amen.